don't blink. What what do they say? God <laughs> he damn says, it. If you have to blink, do it now. <laughs> All right. You can cut that. <laughs> what is don't blink? Is that like a horror movie coming out? Uh there's don't breathe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't blink. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 425 with a review of Kubo and the Two Strings. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we had a review of War Dogs, and now we are talking about Kubo and the Two Strings, a film that I have been excited about for a while now. Um, and it is finally here, and we are finally going to talk about it. So, Stephen, we already know that you're doing fine because we recorded another episode like 30 minutes ago. Um, I'm doing just okay now, actually. Oh, no. That, <laughs> yeah, I got it... worse in the last 30 minutes. <laughs> that episode brought us down. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, hold on one second while I fold you a paper crane and then play my instrument <laughs> to fly it over to you. <laughs> I don't know if that weird little... <laughs> Asian banjo. <laughs> it's actually Vietnamese uh, banjo. <laughs> oh well, as you can tell, this episode's probably going to go very well. <clears throat> Off to a good start. Um, but uh, hey, we're no less Asian than all the people who made this movie. <laughs> uh, true, true, true. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, were you excited to see this film? Uh, fairly. I mean, mainly because of the positive buzz. I think um, the trailer for the movie, what I remember anyway, was not even really a full trailer. I, I, it, it like didn't give much away at all. So what I knew was that it was uh, Leica. Do you, is that how you pronounce it? I, b- I believe so, yeah. But somebody yeah, so can, I, Carson can scream at us if we're wrong. I, I knew that they were the you know production company behind it who had also done Coraline. And that made me excited. But the plot itself, I really knew nothing about it. So, like, when all this buzz started coming out for a while, I was like, the f*** is Kubo? <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone was saying, like, oh, dude, are you going to see Kubo? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> what are Kubo? <laughs> what, what is that word? Nice. So, no, I, I wasn't specifically excited to see it. Uh, but when I remembered what it was, then I was definitely looking forward to catching up with it. Yeah, this is a film that I, I saw the trailer for like a while back, like when it first became available. I, I want to say I saw it in theaters, but like I feel like that was before they were doing the big advertising push for it. Um, but I remember seeing it and going like, holy shit, like I really, I was really excited already. And then once, um, you know, different people around the, the film industry started coming out and saying like, okay, you know, I've seen Kubo, can't talk about it yet, but let's just say <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Hearing, starting to hear that strong word of mouth was making me even more excited than I was uh, beforehand. Um, but uh, we've both seen it now, and we can talk about it because uh, we're general public and got to see it after it was widely released, so we had no embargo. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so what do you say we play the trailer for the film and then get into the review? Kuba! Your village is burned to the ground. 
far behind. We need to go now. You have questions, I can tell. Who? You get three. Why only three? Okay, that was your first question. What? I don't understand what's happening. This is the beginning of your story. Your family is very powerful. Your mother used her magic to save you. Kubo, run! And bring me to life. What are we gonna do? We're going to find your father's armor. It's the only thing that can protect you. Many years ago, I was cursed. This great adventure is my destiny. Your magic is growing stronger. You need to learn control. So that was the trailer for Kubo and the Two Strings. Basically, a uh, story of a young boy. And he has a magic fiddle. <laughs> that was a banjo. Well, same difference. Um, no, but there's a little boy, and he has some sort of magic, magical origami powers. And uh, he's grown up his whole life hearing these tales of these great warriors and of his father. And uh, he due to certain events, learned that some of the tales that he's heard growing up may not have been completely fictional, and he has to go on an adventure to try to find some magical items to help him in this journey that he's going to go on. So, Stephen, is this film as good as people have been saying? Uh, what did you think? I am going to have trouble articulating the balance of things I feel for this movie. Um, I should start by saying... I did not watch this in 3D, which I probably should have. Like, it, again, going back to my forgetting what Kubo was exactly, <laughs> uh, I forgot how important it was going to be to cherish the 3D, right? Um, so I saw this kind of from the back of a fairly small theater that was completely packed. And I was not quite in the mood to just let amazing visuals wash over me. Uh, so... And, and we, we should also say that for some reason, this film doesn't seem to be playing everywhere in No, in not area. at all. Which is weird because the demand is clearly high. I, I was telling you yesterday, I showed up to the theater for the four o'clock show and I got there and it was sold out. Like this has never happened to me before. Yeah. And this is four o'clock on a Sunday too. This isn't yeah. even like the main prime slot. Yeah. And, and so then I was like, okay, I guess... Uh, 
all right, I'll wait around. What, how about the seven o'clock show? And I got the very last seat in the back of the theater. Um, so yeah, this movie, definitely a lot of people are rushing out to see it, but it is not playing in a lot of places. Um, but yeah, so, so the good, um, and it is mostly good. Uh, the imagery in this movie is definitely very beautiful. I think the 3D would have helped me appreciate the the tactile aspect of it more. But even without it, just there's something about stop-motion animation that you just don't get with pure CG. And I think the the expressions on these characters' faces, it, it almost had a kind of Anomalisa vibe for me, where the the thing they managed to do was so little resonated so much more than using you know massive amounts of a cg budget to make a completely realistic world yeah Um, so i i love the the visual vocabulary of the film i love the the paper the origami the things coming to life and flying around i love the 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 way the characters are done where there's a kind of minimalism to it like they don't have any more than they need to the landscapes are sparse like near the beginning of the movie we see where he lives and it's this this cave on a hill and basically his home is just like this giant gray triangle (laughs) like it's just this incline and there doesn't need to be more detail than that like he is this little character in this massive very sparse world um and i thought all of that was very very nice i i also think the movie is definitely daring in that the the way it pulls us into the story and tries to tell it is not at all in the hand-holding kid variety. Like, when we are first introduced to Kubo and his mother together, it is, like, a kind of off-putting, stilted dynamic that they have. Yeah. Um, And they don't really try to explain that. They don't, like, have a little voiceover where he can be like, when I was three years old, my mom... Like... (laughs) Like, no, there's just nothing. We we just learn by watching. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a little bit of the sensibility that brought the creepiness to Coraline. Like, the feeling that you don't have to predict everything. You can kind of put put audiences through a a strange thing that they don't completely understand. And And for the most part, I definitely respect that daring. I just have to... I have to be a schnazy here a little bit and say that like the story didn't totally hold up for me. Um, I I feel guilty saying that because of all the like the painstaking effort that went into making it and making it look so beautiful. But the the character has a sort of an arc of coming to grips with his past and his family. And the movie is kind of about the way we we live on in each other's stories and the way that telling stories and remembering brings things to life. And I think it's a very beautiful idea, but I'm not completely sure that the details of the movie, the, the moon King and the sisters and the, the monkey and the beetle and all of this kind of imagery that is borrowing from mythology to tell a sort of grand tale I I felt like I wanted this to be like a half hour longer and really explore that dynamic more. And instead, I feel like what I got was a a very pretty sketch of a bunch of very nice ideas that wasn't... 
it was given breathing room, but it didn't flourish the way I would have wanted it to flourish. Like, there are a few big reveals in this movie, which by the time they're reveals, they are probably not reveals to, to most of us in the audience. Um, and the, just the way these play out, like the things that Kubo learns and the journey that he goes on, it it was like he encountered many things, but there was something that made it fall short of epic to me. And then that's without going into the more schnazyish tendencies of like the world not being fully, uh, <laughs> fully understandable, or the rules of it not making complete sense. I, I just mean on a more narrative level, this felt impressionist, like abstract, almost to a fault, like just enough where I, I'm not sure what your typical kid or family will will get when they go into this movie expecting a epic tale and a boy who learns a thing and when they leave they've kind of seen a a very interesting mesh of images and a few ideas about the afterlife and storytelling and not not really an arc that a kid can cling to so I don't know. I'm I'm torn. I think if I were watching this as like a a movie on its own terms, like a, a Miyazaki film that is not necessarily meant for children, but it's just meant to be a beautiful thing to look at with very profound feelings, then I think I would have liked it more. But watching it through the lens of the most amazing animated movie, a kid's movie that touches into all the emotions, blah, blah, like compared to Inside Out and everything. Yeah. It, on that track, it, I had the wrong expectations and it didn't really do it for me if that is what I'm looking for. So, so I don't know. I, I want to know how you feel because I've been attributing things to Schnazy and I don't actually know if Schnazy felt that way. No, I, th I think you're actually like pretty much 100% accurate on the way I, I feel about this film. Um, when we were when we were hanging out, uh, I guess it was before going to see um, War Dogs. I made this statement that like I'm probably gonna actually gonna have. I, I wanted you to hurry up and see Kubo because there was like a lot I could say about the film, and I, I think um, you know I I, I I wonder myself if part of the praise that we're seeing from different people around the industry about this film are simply like the film is being held up by its execution and it's like the, the sheer work that went into making a stop motion film that is like legitimately this beautiful. Um, I did not, I also did not see it in 3d, um, but I saw it in a little bit better scenario as far as seating and theater size. Um, but I thought this film was just, just beautiful. And mm -hmm. I really love the visuals of what we got, everything from the combat that we saw in the film to the storytelling that we see with the little origami magic that Kuba performs in the streets in the town, the little village outside of uh, the, the cave that he lives in. Um, mm -hmm. Like everything from the style of the film to just what they did. Like th there are... You know, like you said that that like uh, that things maybe the little journeys that he goes on aren't completely epic. And I would agree they're not necessarily epic from a narrative standpoint, but there are there are fairly epic moments. Like the the sheer scale at what they did 
to create this film. Like I, I, I told you one day um, before leaving the office that I was like watching this behind the scenes shot of the, like, so if you see the trailer, you see that there's a scene where there's a giant skeleton and there's not scale stuff being done. It's not like it's a composite of a little marionetted skeleton and then the Kubo puppets like composited to make the scale different. Like they built a giant full room size enormous skeleton puppet that they did all the stop motion with to do these scenes and and it really like the the scale gives it an epic feel and and while the resolve of those scenes may not be um particularly epic in 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 how the characters try to overcome what they're going up against but but there still is a very epic feel to the environments and and what the characters are going through versus the narrative aspect of it i mean um excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. um versus you don't have the, to cry chris we're all <laughs> we're all friends um, yeah you know you know what i mean um but um i think for me the the film is very entertaining and i really enjoyed it but it definitely lacks in in the narrative of what they're doing. And um, I'm going to give some minor spoilers for the beginning of the film, but like there's really dark stuff with, with the situation that Kubo and his, his mom are, are in. And like, without saying too much, like basically Kubo has lived in this cave for all of the life that he can remember. And he can venture out during the day, but at night he has to return because that's sort of the, the situation that's put upon him. And in that time, he is sort of responsible for taking care of his mother because his mother's in a condition that's not super great. And I think there's something like inherently sad about like, like that, that's a, it's a really dark scenario that this film starts on. And it's kind of like a thing where you're like, oh man, like (laughs) this kid has just been here his whole life. And like, you see the joy that he gets from telling these stories and that these stories are not just his way to go out into the village and, and entertain and earn some money to, you know, get supplies or whatever. Like it's a way of him escaping the life that he has grown up with and being able to make his life be more grand than it is through these tales that he's been told and these, these adventures that he gets, he gets to rise the whole village up to participate in the story in in it like in those moments he's like truly alive right and mm-hmm. there there's something really beautiful about that aspect of the story and, and and the contrast it has to the rest of his life yeah, uh, yeah i yeah. think is the really striking thing like that is the first time the movie becomes alive yeah and and, and just seeing those moments it's like oh man this this film is incredible <laughs> and uh you know once once the thing happens that accidentally keeps him out past past dark and the real um, forced adventure happens in this film it's we sort of lose that magic a little bit and we start getting intru- introduced to new characters who they add complexity to the amount of pieces in the story but they don't actually increase the narrative in a way and, and i feel the story itself it moving forward is not really that interesting and you talked about how like it's trying to borrow all these things from like you know mythology and and uh um it's trying to play into these like tropes we know from like you know samurai movies and stuff like that and i kind of expected that stuff to go deeper and be really really interesting but instead it was sort of like well i kind of just gotta go it's like the entire movie becomes a fetch quest and not in a super awesome way it's sort of like go here collect this thing go here collect this thing go here collect this thing and then end a movie and i think that that with these leica films you usually have 
there, there's there's sort of a a moral or a lesson that the character learns by the end of the film. I mean, you know, minor spoilers for all these films, but like in Coraline, the idea is that like children think that their parents are sort of like the enemy, but in in reality, they are the thing that like protects them and keeps them well. And like that story is sort of somebody choosing an alternative to their parents and then realizing that they need and love their parents, right? And then in Paranorman, uh, in that story, it's it's really about a child learning that the thing that makes him feel weird and different is actually the thing that makes him unique and special and, you know, the savior of, of his town. And uh, in, in the box trolls, you find out that uh, obsession with cheese is bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just a joke because I don't like that movie and I know Carson does. <clears throat> but uh, in this film... The, the 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 moral of the story is that like grumpy people are bad <laughs> like, yeah i i could and that's the thing the movie takes a kind of uh i i definitely won't spoil it but the very end of this movie hits a note of redemption for a character that i felt like didn't at all fit into the moral narrative of the film yeah um like there yeah there were there was some kind of weird stuff going on where it, it was like musing on the theme of loss but it didn't really have a moral i don't think yeah and, and I, I think there's a lot of things too that they are in there because they feel like the trope of a story of a person on an adventure but they also make no sense in the context of of the universe that we've been given so for instance once again this is a minor spoiler for the film but i'm like kubo is missing one eye and they talk throughout the film about the loss of that eye and possible things in the future with his remaining eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't want to spoil it. <laughs> um, but I feel like I'm either too dumb to understand why people want his other eye or just the story is not really that compelling. I, I think it... It, it follows the logic that these kind of old folk tales follow, which is to say not a whole lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's like a deep symbolic meaning to the eye. But when you see like characters actually standing there saying, I want to do this and this is why, the like the, the, the falseness of that rings through a little bit. Like, yeah. wait, really? Him? yeah but it's just weird because like characters talk about the idea of like the eyes you know the eyes being the window to the soul but like even if you take that if you take that as the main moral then why would you want to close the window like like whatever the metaphor is they're going for it's like it pulls a kind of robocop but it didn't have a robocop leading up to it (laughs) like the uh, humanity you know, compassion is weakness type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, I, I, I guess, I mean, it's, it's really hard to go into without like just giving away um, major plot elements. But I mean, it, it's just a thing where it's like, I feel like these things are there because, oh yeah, of course, there's this, there's this guy wearing a robe carrying a sword and he only has one eye. Like, like, you're like, that just seems like the type of thing that would be in the story. So it's there. And mm. it, it feels to me that like, with a film that starts as strong as this is, and 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 with the 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 beauty of the world and and the the magic that Kubo does have access to um, through playing music and through origami, um, I I wish that the rest of the film was as beautiful and as moving and as interesting as as this stuff was. But instead, we get sort of a 
a, a standard thing with like some reveals that, you know, like, like, like what you were saying, it's, it's like, not only, well, you, you were saying that like, you know, when the reveals happen, we're sort of like, yeah, we're already there just keep going. And for mm-hmm. me, it was like, I was confused, not because I wasn't already at that point. I was just like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like having that reveal doesn't really make the, the, story... the emotional weight of these characters already would have resonated without it. Like yeah, yeah. in the same way, they already had that significance. It was more the specific yeah, it's hard not to give things away, but you yeah. get what I'm saying. And there's other stories that do a similar thing, um, where it's a, a character going on an adventure and then finding reveals that are similar. I won't say the title of the film because I, it'll give it away here and it would give it away there if you haven't seen either. But um, I think it, in those films, it does feel really strong and it makes you go like, oh man, holy crap. Um, but in this film, it's sort of like, yeah... But 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 why? <laughs> <laughs> so I think one thing I'm realizing is um, and again I I shouldn't always have to preface it like the movie is beautiful. I get like a lot of it. it it's a very beautiful film, uh, and when I criticize other parts of it, I'm not trying to take away from how very nice the whole package is. Yeah. But I, I would say the dialogue in this movie is quite stilted often. Um, I think a, a prime example of that, like some of it is very intentional, like like the mother at the beginning of the film, you are supposed to feel like she's only half there. But other parts, like toward the beginning of the film, Kubo is sitting with this uh, this older woman preparing to tell his story. And she's talking to him and she's kind of making a few jokes and being a friendly older woman. And the pacing of that... It, it's like she says a line and then mugs the camera so we can look at the way her face looks very emotional. Like, like there's a weird back and forth between the characters that doesn't doesn't feel cinematic to me. It, it feels more like people in a play where they're like delivering the line and pausing for the laugh. Yeah. And I, I, I just kind of realized that a lot of the movie would make much more sense to me if I didn't believe in the literal reality of any of this. If I took a kind of Life of Pi view of the film, where it's like a boy coming to grips with loss and family. And if I view it in that wait, way... Wait, wait a second. Are you saying there wasn't a literal tiger on that boat? <laughs> <laughs> Richard Parker! <laughs> no, no comment. No, I don't want to spoil that for you. Um <laughs> Or maybe where the wild things are, like, like the cadence of the the monkey character, the the way the monkey character looks after him, and her voice resembles other voices we've heard, yeah. And the, the there's a certain magic to the way she speaks and the way they interact, where he's just a little kid, and she is looking after him, and she's kind of saying things in a very caring human voice and then like you know wandering and picking things out of her fur and stuff and that logic makes a lot of sense to me in the kind of where the wild things are aspect where it's this kid being transported into this world full of things he doesn't understand and the way the things behave and talk are kind of very childish and simple like a uh, like a collage of 
emotions the kid has felt before that he's putting into this story that that feels like a story should feel. Um, but then when you look too closely, it kind of falls apart. Yeah, I, I don't know. There, there could be something there, but I feel like the movie ardently tries to not be that thing. Like yeah. it really wants to have a reality. Sorry, and, go ahead. And I think I think that like that thing that you think it could be is what I thought it would be based on the trailers. That's that's part of the reason that I was I was so excited for the film is that this is a young boy um armed with the magical uh musical instrument that was given to him by his mother, going on an adventure with a monkey, a beetle and an origami samurai, right? Like, th- this is very, like, stylistic and, and sort of uh, uh, fairy tale-y. And, and I think I kind of expected more of, of a child's w- wonder and experiencing a world of fantasticalness. And the film really does its best to try to just simplify the narrative and sort of make it like a small series of things and then have characters play off each other while Kubo's present, but he's sort of off doing his own thing, right? Like mm-hmm. you get to see the you know the monkey monkey and beetle arguing while he's over on the side, just like building a boat, right? <laughs> like, yeah. and there a lot of time is devoted to different characters for reasons that don't ultimately pay off like there there's an attempted payoff but it doesn't really add a lot to the story because what we're here to see is the adventure of the boy and yeah i, I don't know there's just something very strange like I, I guess i don't know when the film's done where any of those characters move on from there right right and i think that's that's sort of the there's not really a hope of for future adventures um we it's sort of no it's very final and it it does have a uh i i will say the note that it ends on is i think just lovely the way the there are birds that have significance earlier in the movie and candles even earlier in the movie and it kind of combines these things with the visual ideas of kubo and the stories keeping people alive that it, it's like a very lovely note to end on. Yeah. But the actual epic, even if I'm only imagining it as an emotional journey of a kid coming to grips with things, it it just doesn't completely add up. It's like he learned that people are never, like he learned that people are never really lost. But at the beginning of the film, he knew it with joy that they are never really lost like his whole life was bringing bringing them to life this way um so i don't know i think that's why it uh it just ended in an odd place and it might be that if if like the exact same movie had been made by miyazaki and i just had that like hat on where i'm like looking forward to appreciate a like impressionistic view of the afterlife Maybe that would be enough for me, but but here there was just something about the tone that clashed a little bit. I, I think part of it is that um, the the movie seems to try to rely on humor a little more than I thought it needed to. I, I think the character of Beetle, especially, he's meant to be a kind of 
a silly character. And, and I say silly because it's meant to make like kids laugh at the things that he does. Yeah. And I, in a film that is otherwise really committed to this kind of sparse emotional view of the world, he he didn't really fit to me. Like he fits in the way that in the Where the Wild Things Are, there will be like a kind of buffoon character coming out of nowhere. Like the, you know, the world is empty and then a voice will happen. Um, and in, in that case, everything kind of fit. But the the emotional beats of that character and the kind of the ups and downs and when exactly did they become close, but then they're not and then they're close again and then they're not. It It didn't totally make sense to me. I feel like you could scramble the middle of this movie and it wouldn't feel any more coherent or less coherent than it is in the order that it went. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, should we get to verdicts? Sure. All right, uh, Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I mean, I came here prepared to give it a recommend with a caveat because we clearly have some issues with it. But like, even just recounting it, the the beauty, the thing that they set out to do, and the the visual artistry and the mood that they create, I think is powerful enough to warrant a must see. I I only think that it it doesn't reach the heights that I wish it could have, but it still is a lovely film that deserves to be celebrated. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's I think it's a must see simply for the work that went into it and the visual spectacle of it, and um, you know, there there are some good things in the film. It's 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 enjoyable throughout, and it, and it's definitely worth a watch. I don't think in in a world of Christopher Schnazy films, it sort of achieves what I would hope it would, um, but that's not enough to make it. That's not enough for me to want to prevent anybody from seeing it or knock it down for anybody who would really, really love it. I and mean, people everywhere seem to be enjoying it. So it's, it's a film that I can recommend while at the same time sort of just like, well, these are my reservations about the film, but it's definitely worth watching. So I'll give it a must-see as well. I believe Carson also had this one at a must-see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said he thoroughly enjoyed it. So if we translate that to the to to our rubric that definitely counts as a must see um so yeah it, it's it's worth a watch i still kind of Coraline's still my favorite of of the films from this studio um but uh this one is is still still pretty good as well so i i do have to say there and i'm i'm not trying to get all david chen in this but the the fact that pretty much everyone involved was just like a you know a white person it did, <laughs> when it would have been so easy to cast some kind of asian character i mean george takai is here and he's built kind of high even though his character has like one line from what i remember um <laughs> but yeah there there is something about that where and like i i see nothing morally wrong with it i thought it was a lovely film but i did feel like it it couldn't totally embrace its japanese imagery because it wanted to tread very very lightly <laughs> like yeah. it it didn't want to just heavily be in about the culture and the the values and i think maybe a movie that didn't feel so you know like it had to tread so lightly like a movie that actually could confidently just dive into the culture and use more of the 
the images and tropes, I think might have been a more coherent thing. <laughs> so maybe they were trying really hard to not be racist, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, good on them for that. <laughs> maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, I thought I felt that like it it was really trying to not be that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't want to be Mulan on steroids or anything. <laughs> okay. Um well uh yeah, I th- I think that's about gonna do it for this review um of Kubo <laughs> and the three strings. <laughs> yeah, I counted three. <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, this is Steven. If people want to find you out the week, where can they do that? Uh, they can find me on twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Um, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Kubo and the Two Strings. Hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, if you like the show, please rate or review us on iTunes as that will be helpful to us. And uh, yeah, I think that is it for now. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Stephen, for joining me. Thanks for having me. I do want to point out that a character's name was Cameo. That's how little they appeared. <laughs> uh, that is true. I think I remember. <laughs> I think I remember thinking something like that at the same time. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll see you guys next time. Bye.